Welcome, you are listening to the Twice Over Movies Podcast. In these first few episodes, I want to spend just a couple of minutes explaining who we are and what we are doing with this podcast and website. So as you can tell, this podcast is specifically about movies. My name is Faraz and I'll be hosting each episode alongside a rotating co-host between Fahad, Yusuf, and Faran. Each episode is for one movie. We will spend 10 to 20 minutes discussing our scores without giving away any major spoilers. Afterwards, we will have a spoiler alert and then we will dive into a deeper discussion into the movie. And that will go as long as it goes, maybe 15 to 45 additional minutes. Our scores are broken into five segments of a movie. First, acting, defined as the execution of the writing and story by the actors. Second, direction and plot, defined as the entertainment value, pace, and audience connection. Third is the writing, which is defined as primarily the dialogue. Fourth is the cinematography and photography, defined as the visual appeal of the movie. Fifth, themes and motifs, defined as the presentation of the underlying message and or idea. For each of these categories, we assess if it was substantive, purposeful, logical, engaging, satisfying, clear, consistent, etc. This is where the website comes into play. Depending on how you order the importance of the categories mentioned, you will get a composite score indicating the strength of the movie on your standards. Currently, you will see a score based only on how the host rated the movie, but we have every intention to include you into the process to add a community score alongside the host score. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, continue listening, and support us. Now on to the episode. Do you ever think of the towns, Fenton? The towns? What for? The wicked places where wicked people live. That's all. Thank you, Lucius. You're a good friend. I do hope no one saw you. Hey everyone, this is Faraz. This is Yusuf. Today we're discussing The Village 2004 film by M. Night Shyamalan. All right, so we're going to get right to the rating. We're going to start with the writing score. Yusuf, do you want to go first and tell me what you thought about the writing? Yeah, sure. Um, So I gave the writing a 70 overall. Not too bad. Uh, There's not a whole lot of dialogue or anything that stands out to me either. So that's kind of where I landed. Yeah, I kind of agree with the score. It's a reasonable score because... We, we consider 70 to be average. However, I did give it a 60. I thought it was a little below average. There were times in the movie where I just thought that it felt a little overdone. And honestly, we'll talk a little bit more about that after the spoiler alert because I don't want to give anything away. So let's go to the acting. Uh, the acting, I gave it uh, a 70 as well. Uh, there were some good actors. There were some actors where I thought they were kind of overplaying it a little bit. Um, but overall, I mean, I thought it was about average. Okay, yeah, I gave it a 75, just barely above average. There was one actor in particular, Adrian Brody. Yeah. I thought his role was incredible. He w- he alone pushed that acting threshold a little higher. I agree. Everyone else was whatever or, if anything, felt a little out of place. Yeah, Adrian Brody, is uh, he's pretty good at this acting thing. I, yeah, I thought he carried a lot of the load. Uh, we can get into why and exactly what he did. But yeah, I, I thought he was definitely the bright spot. Yeah, most definitely. All right, what did you think about the cinematography? Cinematography, uh, I gave it an 80. There's there's not a whole lot going on necessarily. We do kind of have kind of a drab natural palette, you know, in in, in a, you know, an old-timey village. Uh, but I thought there were some things that they used really well in terms of uh, the scenes and, and how they set them up. 
I'm pretty close with you there. I give it a 75, just under 80. But my biggest problem was for a thriller slash horror, I guess I'm not, I wouldn't call this a horror movie, even though M. Night Shyamalan directed it. It's more of a thriller. But with the cinematography, there was too much sunlight. It was too bright. All that kind of stuff like didn't feel right with the theme of the movie, which is supposed to be like, you know, there's these monsters in the woods that we need to avoid. But you would notice that most of the scenes, I feel like almost all the scenes in the woods were during the daytime. Okay, you know what? I I hadn't uh, really thought about that when I was giving my score, but I definitely uh, can agree with that. That's something that I did notice. Um, we can get into more of why that bothered me, but yeah, there was there was definitely they could have done with some some you know darker scenes, kind of in the woods, like something more ominous and frankly, just a little more scary. <laughs> yeah, uh, like you said, it's not quite a horror movie, um, and I, we definitely need to get into that later, but. Uh, it's 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 a thriller and and there is uh, there are monsters uh, you know out and about so there should have been a little bit more of an eerie tone going on. All right, next one: the direction and the plot. Would you give that? Uh, direction and the plot, I gave an eighty-five. Um, so that was my that was uh, my highest score uh, for this movie. Um, I thought the story was pretty well written. Um, it's kind of you get kind of a weird complex concept um, that's happening in this village but what we're seeing most of the movie is kind of the ramifications of that weird complex construct playing out through you know basic interactions human emotion um and i really like that i really liked how they led us to you know where we ended up in the end i'm pretty close with you there too i give it an 80 i also thought the story was pretty well done the overall story is engaging and well let's leave it at that it's engaging <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, next one, let's go with themes and motifs. What'd you give that? All right, so for motifs and themes, uh, I gave it a 90. So I just lied. That was not my highest score. This is my highest score. I gave it a 90. I thought they did a lot of cool things with uh, thematic elements, um, how they foreshadowed things with, uh, we'll get into it, but the use of color, particularly uh, throughout the movie. So um, I, I really liked how they went about it from that standpoint. That was kind of going on in the background of the, the plot. Um, so there's a lot to talk about there. For me, this was also my highest score tied with the direction and plot. I gave it an 80. I thought it was well done. Um, there is It is a big part of what the movie is, and it gives the movie a lot of meaning. So we'll, of course, discuss that further after the spoiler alert, which is now. This is the spoiler alert. If you have not seen this and you do plan on watching it and don't want to get it spoiled, we would advise that you stop listening now. But if you don't care or you have already seen it, continue listening as we discuss the movie what do you want to start with or should i start um go ahead you you, you start so uh, i guess overall tell me how you felt about the movie um what did you think of it just from an overall standpoint okay so i'm generally generally not a fan of horror the genre is um i find it to be cheesy or not well done and not scary so i came in with that bias but like i said earlier this is not really a horror movie it's more of a thriller but those biases were only like confirmed while watching the movie. <laughs> there was a lot of acting outside of Adrian Brody that I did not like. That didn't work for me. The writing also didn't work for me. Now here, I'll talk about the writing where I wanted to give it a lower score than I actually did. I mean, I gave it a 60, right? Which is below average. But when it first started, I was like, man, this is just bad. I want to give it like an under 50. But when you, you know, when the reveals happen and the twists come and you find out that this is like actually a village that's 
you know, in modern times, but secluded from society. And it's almost like a deliberate attempt to live in this old timey, old fashioned, like old town village in rural England or something. Then the writing kind of made more sense. It's almost like they're separating it even further from the towns which are living in today's modern times. That's why I did push the score back up to 60. But it just didn't work with me. If you combine it with the acting, it just felt overdone. It didn't feel uh, natural. Again, maybe that's that was the point because this whole village is not natural. It's basically a whole construct that's been created by these elders. That's why it felt so forced because it is forced. It works with the story, which is which is you know tied with um with the themes and motifs for the high score that I gave it, but. That was my general feeling, and writing is a really big part of what I enjoy in a movie. So if I'm not enjoying it for like 70-80% of the movie, it's just like I'm not really enjoying the movie too much. Okay, I think I can agree with you there for the most part. I gave it a 70. You know, like I said, there's not a whole lot of dialogue that stands out, and there are parts that seem a little bit forced. Like you said, you can kind of explain that in retrospect as like, well... You know, they're actually from modern day and they're trying to be old timey. They're trying to portray this life as old timey. So probably the way they speak and everything is a little bit, you know, artificial. But like you said, that you can't really, you know, go back and justify the whole movie like that. If you didn't enjoy it, if if it felt forced for 70% of the movie, then as a movie goer, 70% of the time you were not enjoying the writing. So um, I, I definitely can see it from that standpoint. There were some scenes that, that I did enjoy, particularly, I think um, there's a scene where uh, Mr. Walker is trying to decide what to do uh, about about Lucius, if he should send somebody to the towns, what he should do. And he's speaking with one of the other elders. I think I thought they had a pretty good back and forth. They had a really uh, it was it was a pretty emotional scene. Um, and she kind of tells him, you know, you took the oath. So you you specifically cannot leave. And she just leaves it at that in terms of, you know, letting him read between the lines there that, you know, well, someone else can go. I also thought that was kind of a subtle recognition that um, all these kids are kind of being held captive here. Um, This is some kind of cult. I don't know. I mean, it's a kind of a glorified cult, you know, but there's some weird thing going on here where, I mean, there's some rights issues here probably, right? I mean, I I, I don't know exactly what those issues would be, but there's something going on here that seems a little bit, a little bit weird. Again, this, this movie was written in, it was aired in 2004. um, So that was a while ago in terms of uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I do think there's some kind of issues playing out there. But anyway, I thought that was, there was some good moments like that. But generally, yeah, there, 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 are, there are a lot of parts that maybe are a little bit overacting or um, just, the, yeah, the, the dialogue is a little bit uh, constructed. Yeah, actually, what you mentioned about these kids are being held captive, this leads me to a question I had. Who are the antagonists in this movie? Is it these elders? Ah, man, that's that's a good one. Uh, we go through kind of a few antagonists, right? Because there's a point where it's the village versus these monsters. And then you kind of come to this realization that, you know, actually, there are no monsters. There's just kind of this charade being played up. I suppose, I guess that is fair to look at the the, the elders um, as the antagonists. I probably I probably would say, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd say no, actually. I think I'd say they aren't because... If they aren't, then who would you say are? I think, I think kind of, maybe, maybe there isn't like a, a, maybe there isn't a physical character or characters that are the antagonists. I think, I think what we're seeing playing out mostly is 
kind of an innocence versus evil thing, right? Basically, everyone in this village is trying to preserve in- innocence and keep the evils of larger society away from them. And uh, they're, they're, they think they found a way to do that. Um, and as we see kind of throughout the movie, um, maybe they hadn't figured it out quite as well as they thought, right? Um, because we see evil creeping into their society in different ways. We see uh, we see jealousy, we see violence, um, and, you know, basically a full-out murder attempt. Yeah, I mean, the movie starts with um, with the funeral of that boy. So it's almost like the the hurt and despair that they were trying to escape from the towns, like, it's still there, right? It starts with that funeral of, I forget how old the boy was. It had the years on the gravestone. The whole avoiding something happened, that they lost someone very close to them, and it was because of the way society is run in the towns. But even here in the village, that same like hardship and suffering still exists. Uh, yeah, that's right. And we hear, uh, you mentioned the funeral of the boy at the beginning. We, we hear his father, August Nicholson, uh, acknowledge this uh, towards the end when, you know, kind of all the elders are reprimanding Mr. Walker for allowing Ivy to, to, to go through the village to the towns. Um, and he kind of says, he, you know, he mentions, you know, the reason that he's there, which is, you know, his brother was was slain in the towns. Um, and then he mentions that, you know, we came here and the rest of my family died here. So sorrow is just part of life. We know that now. So he kind of says it as, you know, something they may have not realized when they when they started this whole thing, which was that, you know, this kind of stuff is. Uh, irremovable from human existence. So he kind of comes to that realization at that point. So yeah, I mean, I I, I guess I, I guess there's kind of uh, a realization throughout the movie that you know evil may not necessarily be from society at large. It may just you know it, it may come from the just being human. Um, you know, it comes part and parcel to to human existence. So I, I think we see that in a few other ways as well throughout the movie. Yep, I agree with you exactly. But I I do disagree where I think if we were to say there's an antagonist, yeah, it's the monsters in the beginning. It's just that we don't know who the monsters are, but clearly we're informed later on that those monsters were a farce created by the elders. Therefore, in my opinion, the elders are the antagonists and they're basically helicopter parenting. Yeah. Because they're too worried to have their children have to face the same hardships and sorrows that they faced themselves in the towns, not knowing that they're giving up basic livelihood necessities like medicine, uh, transportation, things like that, freedom to move, all that stuff, just to be safe or presumably safe in this isolated village. Okay, so let me ask you a follow-up question then. What did you think of the ending overall? Um, I liked it. So how many how many twists did we have in this movie in like classic M Night Shyamalan like style? <laughs> we had like three twists. One twist was finding out that the monsters were a farce made by the elders. The second, no, oh, first twist was Adrian Brody's character Noah stabbing Lucius. That was probably the first one, right? Uh, yeah. I mean. I- I didn't I didn't I didn't classify that as a twist necessarily in my head. But yeah, that's a big moment that kind of sets the rest of the dominoes falling. So, um, yeah, I guess it's not really a twist. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it starts the domino effect exactly of the rest. So the first that would happen and then you find out that it's a farce. And then the last one is when he uh, Ivy's dad, when he tells Ivy that, you know, we did read about monsters in the books He's kind of hinting at like 
that might be real, but we just went with it and made it real. So when Ivy is in the woods and she does come across this monster, we're in this mindset like, oh, maybe this is one of the real ones that, you know, that her dad mentioned. But then we find out that that was um, Noah, Adrian Brody's character, and he gets killed by her. And then the final twist, uh, well, I guess the final twist, it's not really a twist. It's just Ivy knowing the secret, but like actually holding it and not telling anyone. So she's in the same boat as the elders then, I guess. Right. But I do do think that is a twist, right? That we find out that we're actually in modern day, right? So, you know, I, I I think as you're watching the movie, you realize, okay, the monsters aren't real. So the whole aversion to leaving the village and not interacting with the towns, that was all constructed. But then it's not until the very, uh, you know, the very end when she ends up, uh, or that's not the very end, but when she ends up across the the Covington Woods, that's when we really realize that, okay, actually they're in modern day. So the entire idea of them being in this old timey village, that's all yeah, fake Yeah, too. for sure. That's um, the final so I, think, I think that is kind of a yeah. separate... Yeah, so I think that's a separate realization. Um, that's probably the biggest twist, I suppose. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that's how many is that? I think you could you could say that's four twists, right? Because one, you find out that the monsters aren't real. Then Ivy goes into the forest and you find out, wait, actually, the monsters are real. <laughs> and then the third twist is that, no, that was Noah. So the monsters aren't real. And also Noah's dead now as a result of all of that. Um, and then the fourth twist being, you know, we're in modern day. So there is a lot going on there to kind of unpack as you're watching maybe the last 30 minutes of the movie. So there, it, it's a it's a yeah very, very classic M. Night Shyamalan, you know, back and forth with the twist. Yeah. There. So I would say I did enjoy the ending with all that because it does like, you know, it takes you for a ride. And that's why we both like the story. And so we both like the direction yeah. of it. So, yeah, I, I would say I like the ending. What about you? Um, I, I definitely like the ending for the same reasons. But the reason I wanted to ask that was if the if the parents, uh, if the elders are the antagonists of this this movie, uh, like where does that leave us feeling at the end of the movie? Because what happens at the end of the movie is that Ivy is basically convinced that there are real monsters because of what happened uh, with Noah yeah. in the forest. So now that kind of leaves us at a point where, and you even hear Mr. Walker say, like, you know, Noah has made the, our monsters, he's made our stories yep. real. Uh, We can continue our life here. And now, you know, everyone, including Ivy, is convinced. So uh, that's that's kind of a a kind of a gross ending when you think about it. If the if the parents, if the elders are the antagonists here. Yeah, I mean, if anything, that ending only solidifies further that these elders are the antagonists. They are the monsters. They are the ones that are keeping these children, this village from freedom pretty much by being overbearing and overprotective yeah i guess that's true i mean yeah in a very literal sense they are the monsters i like that (laughs) um you know they're the ones wearing the cloaks they're they're the ones doing everything um but you know really yeah their their real horror is the fact that they've constructed the society and basically just um held all these children captive here so um yeah i guess that's one way to look at it that's yeah that feels really bad but uh i mean that is what we watched (laughs) that's exactly what's happening so did you see the end coming at all, though? Did you see any of those twists coming as they were happening? There is a decent amount of foreshadowing, but I, I don't think I saw any of the four twists coming as I was watching the movie the first time. 
I only thought the first twists were that these monsters weren't real. I thought I had an inkling that they weren't real because one of how they were dressed, they had the same like cloak on other than instead of yellow, it was red. And the monsters just looked like uh, not natural, you know, like <laughs> it looked like it was someone like wearing something. And I did think to myself, is it just like they didn't have the production money to create like a realistic looking monster or is this someone like in a suit you know is it just a person i thought that for a second so that was probably the least surprising one for me but it was still surprising like i wasn't like saying thinking to myself like oh for sure this is a person in a suit that's from the town or the village itself but i was the only one that i kind of gave it a thought yeah i suppose i i think i think that i i think yeah in retrospect you can see that it's kind of uh, that's exactly what's going on right it's somebody in a suit rather than some sort of monster although we don't we don't get a lot of shots of the monsters on screen. I think that was kind of, that's one gripe I kind of have. I mean, especially if you're if you're kind of marketing this thing as a horror movie, you don't get a lot of shots of the monsters on screen. You know, you just get kind of these like fleeting images of them running across the screen and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you just kind of get a blur of red. Um, and, and that's a majority of the movie, right? So until, until we find out that, you know, actually the monsters were never real in the first place. Uh, but so as a horror movie, you feel kind of like you're you're not getting what you paid for there and and you weren't right you you really were not getting a horror movie out of it yeah and that's fine i think it's just something like the director m night shalaman has to deal with is that he's made a reputation on you know i guess in the horror genre so when something is slightly outside of the genre i guess people would have a certain expectation going in and might be disappointed because overall ratings for this movie and like the scores, critical scores, all that stuff is actually not that good. I liked it better than that. And I don't even like it's it's an OK movie in my in my eyes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Why, why do you think people hated this movie? Do you do you think it was it was really just kind of the the expectations that came with M. Night Shyamalan in that moment in history, which uh, is not accurate to today's day and age, but uh, at that moment, uh, coming off of probably what was it? Probably this is probably right after the Sixth Sense and Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, this but, is 04. Sixth Sense is like late 90s, right? I rem- when was Unbreakable? I think that was also early 2000s. So, okay. uh, but in any case, we're coming off of the Sixth Sense, which would have been his last horror movie. Then this movie has been marketed pretty much as a horror movie. If you watch any of the trailers, um, it plays as a straight horror movie, right? Mm-hmm. We're seeing the, you know. We're seeing exactly what what you think is going on at the beginning of the movie. Um, so you think that's what do you think? How, why do you think people hated this movie? Uh, well, I'm just looking literally at the meta score, like overall, like tagline reviews, and a lot of it is talking about the disappointment. A lot of it is comparing it to the Sixth Sense. So again, I think it's much. A lot of it has to do with like his reputation of him making an incredible movie, and then this is not living up to that same standard, even though it's not the same type of movie. But being marketed as if it is the same type, like it's like I, that's what I think. I think the marketing had a lot to do with it. I think he would have been fine making a thriller movie, but it's just it's hard to do if you're going to try to fool the audience the whole way, um, because you get a particular type of audience sitting in the theaters watching your movie, uh, and that is the horror uh, the horror movie goers, right? And then it turns out that. They weren't, you know, this movie was made for kind of a completely different audience. I mean, not that they couldn't enjoy it as well, but they definitely were not in that theater expecting to watch this kind of movie at that moment. There's just the wrong expectations for the entire audience going into this thing. I, I, yeah, like I, like you said, I think it is a lot better than the credit that it gets. Um, it obviously has its own issues, but 
there is kind of a pretty strong hatred for this movie, I think, overall. And it, I don't think it deserves that. It's just that people wanted something like The Sixth Sense. And, you know, The Sixth Sense stays true to what mm-hmm. it is, right? Um, you think there's ghosts, you think there's, uh, you know, these spirits walking around throughout the movie. And then there are, you know, you find that's only confirmed. That's only, that only is that only goes a step further with the twist. Whereas the twist kind of walks this movie back in terms of how much of a yeah. horror movie it is. And it actually changes the genre altogether to an extent. So I, mean, I think that that's what really hurt it. So that's kind of, I don't know. There's nothing you can do about that. That's just, that's, you know, Hollywood, right? Exactly. It's not, it's not something that, you know, the director has much of a say in, I'm sure. And even one thing that, that would have helped this movie, and I'll be saying this for a lot of movies that aren't rated R, is if this movie was rated R and not PC-13. So if it had a little more gore or violence to it, or if it, you know, was darker, a little more just scary looking without even having to be more scary. I think I think they could have done with a darker tone for sure. I don't know how you could get to an R rating with this movie, though. I mean, if we're telling the story that is being told here, I mean, what do you even add to really make this a rated R movie, like in terms of gore or violence? I mean, there isn't a lot of that because the monsters aren't real. Yeah, you know I mean? actually, they so, have they only have like those sure. animals in the beginning, right? They're skinned and like on the ground. That is kind of gory. That, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So like that, that's kind of all we get. So um, I, I think it would have been hard. To, I think it's just hard to tell this story, which is a good story, but it's just hard to tell it, you know, in a way that that will play off well, you know, in Hollywood, basically, because of uh, just the how, you know, how a movie gets to the public. So um, but uh, on your point about kind of making it darker, more eerie tone, um, you know, the whole idea of I think one scene that really bothered me was like, when Ivy is in the forest and, and 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 Noah is in there as well, right? And so he's he's dressed up as one of the monsters at this point, and and she's beginning to believe once again that the monsters are real at this point. That scene is happening in broad daylight, and like I just didn't feel much of anything in that moment. I think at first I felt kind of uh, I, I was a little bit on edge, but as soon as like the monster comes into the shot, that kind of just dissipated because just the feel wasn't right i mean like you said there's just there's there's bright sunlight shooting through these trees and i just there's there's something missing from that standpoint i agree because the honestly the scariest part or i guess not even scary but there's only one time right at night where the guy who's watching in the watchtower he rings a bell that oh the monsters are coming and everyone starts fleeing to their homes and going in the into the basements and ivy's like standing out there with her arm out waiting for Lucius to come come grab her. I guess the only time there's like some real suspense, like, oh my God, is something going to happen? And the reason you feel that is because it is dark and eerie and you're not sure what you're seeing because things are moving pretty fast and you're not sure where the monsters are coming from because you don't really see them, but it's also dark that you can't just see them. And Ivy being blind also. Actually, this is one thing. Did you did you know from the very start that Ivy was blind? I feel like I just like randomly figured that out, like, you know, 20, 30 minutes into the movie. I was yeah. like, oh, wait, what? She's blind? Yeah, it takes a little bit because nobody ever actually yeah. says it, um, at least at the, at the outstart. I think Mr. Walker eventually acknowledges it like in words, but that's well after you've already yeah, figured yeah. it out. Um, so uh, yeah, I think you kind of just have to stumble your way into it. I think she eventually, she says something to, to somebody, maybe it's to Lucius about, you know, you know, I can, I, I can see some people, I can see some color. Um, and that's kind of when you realize like, oh, 
actually okay so she doesn't have great vision and then you're like wait she's yeah. totally blind so you kind of have to stumble your way into it so that was i mean i, I think that was fine though. i didn't that didn't really affect my my viewing experience i don't think okay so yeah i I'll, uh, i want to talk about uh, i want to talk about the acting a bit um so you know i don't i don't i don't think either of us had like amazing scores for this but um i thought adrian brody did an amazing job i think well it's really tough to play a mentally handicapped person because a you can easily fall into like doing a lot of overacting there um and b everyone is kind of judging you in that role pretty hard i think um i thought he did a really good job he conveyed a lot of emotion without uh you know he didn't he he didn't overplay his his, his role too much but you see a lot of emotion coming through um in his actions so I, I thought he did an amazing job um everyone else was kind of trailing behind him um and he had to carry a lot of the load in terms of where the plot went as well yeah no doubt i totally agree he was for sure the best actor in terms of the role he played in this movie everyone else except for maybe ivy everyone else has felt like out of place in their role especially uh lucius yeah joaquin phoenix okay so first of all th- this this cast is is a pretty heavy cast right adian brody joaquin phoenix you have um, Bryce Dallas Howard in here. So I mean, Bernie you have a Weaver. lot of well-known. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's, I mean, even beyond that, like just there, there's Judy Greer's in here. Uh, what's uh, Mark Zuckerberg's in here. So Mark Zuckerberg's yeah, living in the Jesse village. Eisenberg. I mean, there's so many well-known. Yeah. Jesse Eisenberg. There we go. Uh, thank you. Uh, so there's so many well-known actors and actresses here, but yeah, I still felt that way. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they felt like, okay, like Joaquin Phoenix for Lucius. He just felt way too old. I don't know. It's It was like, this guy <laughs> looks like he's in his 40s and he's in love with Ivy. Ivy seemed okay, like for her role. She seemed like, you know, someone in her maybe low 20s, innocent, all that stuff. But Joaquin Phoenix, he did not play the role right. Scorny Weaver, she she was, uh, I don't know who's, oh, she was Lucius's mom, Alice. And she she didn't seem to fit that role either. She barely had much of a role in itself in the movie he was good though edward walker william hurt ivy's dad he was good yeah adrian brody yeah like you said he just he carried it he was super believable you felt for him i can't say i felt for anyone else in the movie except for you know noah percy because even though he he is oh we were talking about the antagonist you could say is he the antagonist because he's the one who like starts this you know downfall by stabbing lucius out of jealousy that's true i mean i think for a good portion of the movie that you do feel like he's kind of the i i don't love this by the way that they have kind of a mentally handicapped character playing kind of the, the representation of like the ills of society because he's the one making things go awry um and you know he he's the one hitting everyone and then finally stabbing lucius I, I didn't love that kind of from what it's what it's portraying but yeah like so i guess i mean for a good portion of the movie he's the one that you're you're, you're kind of rooting against because he's kind of getting in the way he's kind of messing things up um i, I do I, I don't think i felt that way at all at the end of the movie i totally 100 percent felt for him when you see him laying in that ditch in the forest at the end of the movie uh that was heart yeah, yeah to me. no for sure and i mean i know you're saying that you don't like that it's a mini- mentally handicapped person that's causing the problems in this village but at the same time i think that's the point is he is for more for the most part you know he's innocent of what he's doing he's he doesn't have the help he needs first of all he's stuck in this village yeah. because of the elders yeah so <laughs> like he's this innocent person that is causing the havoc that's true he's he's the most innocent exactly he's the most innocent one and the whole point of the village is to keep everyone innocent so if anything this is just showing us even further that innocence is not going to stop these problems that you're trying to escape from the towns yeah no i just i didn't think that it was 
fair to suggest that evil only comes from like a mentally handicapped like what like basically what we're talking about is that evil can come from anywhere in society from anyone in society even the highest of people right and uh it's kind of just innate in in our being so i didn't like that suggestion but you're right as the movie goes on you see that that assumption that was being made or that that what we were what we were seeing on screen it, it develops and shows us that actually you know it comes from anywhere so um yeah i suppose that's not true once you see the movie to the to the end that it's not really suggesting that but yeah that's how i felt kind of when i was watching it i was just like this seems kind of silly that this is the one person that's causing any trouble in this town um i did kind of just want to talk about um their use of color throughout the movie i thought that was kind of one of the the bright spots for me literally and figuratively i suppose um you know there's a lot of drab background and they use this bright color of red and also some yellow bright yellow um to play off of that and i thought that was that was really well done um you know the color red is generally used as an indication of of bad it's the bad color in this town um so you see that illustrated throughout like throughout the movie right small things like there's like flowers and berries that the kids are playing with but they're like taught to bury them uh because it attracts um the monsters those we don't speak of uh who wear the red cloaks and all of that by the way i really like that that name that they give the monsters that those we don't speak of and that's just how they refer to them yeah it rolled off the tongue pretty nicely, right? I, I kept thinking of he who must not, not be named, but like that never rolled off the tongue nicely to me. This like just, just seemed to fit nicely. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, like I just thought the use of red was just so, um, it, 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 it was good for foreshadowing a bunch of things because, um, you know, I think as the movie goes on, we see, I, I, this was kind of playing through my head as I was watching it, but like you kind of knew that the one that was coming was blood, right? Like eventually somebody's going to bleed yeah. uh, and blood is red, obviously. Yep. And what does that mean? Um, so this happens, right? Lucius is bleeding out um, and Noah is sitting on a rocking chair somewhere with his hands covered in blood. Um, and he's just kind of like muttering to himself, like half laughing, half crying. Like he just keeps saying the bad color, the bad color. Again, like, Adrian Brody was excellent, but you know, so I thought towards the end, I started thinking like, yeah, it's true. Like the, the, the bad color is coursing through everyone's veins. Right. So the bad really does come from, from just us. Right. It's not external. There's a lot of uh, effort to externalize evil um, in society as well as like the character, you know, the elders in this movie try to do that. And that's why they move here. Uh, But really it's just, it, it comes with them. Right. So I thought that was kind of good symbolism coming through at the end of the movie. Yeah. I don't know. What, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said. The, I mean, the color red obviously signifies like, you know, danger or show that there is like, there's something out there. There's something powerful, dangerous maybe. And their use of yellow was to show like, oh, we're like, you know, nice and bright and innocent and, I don't know, yellow, I consider like, you know, it's like a, a color that you put like in a child's room, like, you know, in a baby room or something. So yeah, it, it was very innocent in that sense. And they used the colors very well going back and forth. I mean, they were really intense about it. In the very beginning, you don't even know what's happening where I'm not sure who the two girls were. I want, I'm wondering if it was Ivy and uh, her sister, Kitty. Um, The, the ones playing the, the ones playing on the porch. Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, they were like swirling on the porch while they were like brooming. I don't think that was them, I, but I do remember that scene specifically. Yeah, oh. so go ahead. Yeah, I'm not sure who it was, but then they see like that one flower that's red and then they bury it and you're wondering, well, why are they doing that? Their use of the color red was, was significant, obviously. And as you're watching it, it makes more and more sense. And you can see the foreshadowing elements as the movie moves forward. I think there was like another scene uh, towards the end where uh, it, it's basically the the point where Ivy's kind of like, 
panicked and and running through the forest and she's kind of lost and uh the her her cloak's been covered with mud so she's like kind of freaking out because there you know she's not showing yellow anymore so the, the safe color is kind of hidden um so she thinks she's in even more danger now uh but she kind of and she's in that field of red exactly so she wanders into that field of red berries and like i thought that was a really nicely shot scene i also kind of wonder this is probably giving m night Shyamalan a little too much credit but the fact that bryce dallas howard is a redhead i don't know if that was purposeful um but we'll go with it uh basically you know i mean it, that no, i'm just kidding but that plays more into the fact that you know humans are innately evil right nobody really acknowledges that but uh, on screen or anything but right the red color is part of the human anatomy right so that's uh that that kind of says the thesis of this movie um outright when you think about it there was i think actually so another interesting point though is that the whole red color thing that's kind of a carryover from the sixth sense where the red color is again used in that movie to signify any sort of danger anything bad throughout that entire movie um and it's i, I think it's a it's much more subtle than than this because it's not like ever talked about on screen uh, but it's there kind of throughout there's even there's a particular scene where there's um, there's a funeral for like a small girl um, and I think uh, the, the the main character is kind of sneaking around at this funeral up in her bedroom looking for like a, a video or something that she had recorded. But uh, the mother who was actually poisoning this girl the whole time, she's out at the funeral in like a bright, bright red outfit. And like it's at the middle of a funeral where everyone's wearing black. Um, so and then you don't find out till much later that actually she's been poisoning that girl all along. And that's why the girl died. Um, and then I think it's the boy who kind of outs her when he finds this video recording that kind of, you know, incriminates her. Um, so that's kind of something that M. Night Shyamalan has used in the past. I thought he used it even better here. But yeah, that, that's something that we've seen before from him. That's very good points. And obviously you as an M. Night Shyamalan uh, fan would notice all that because I can't tell you if I made those connections at all. I mean, the last time I saw Sixth Sense was easily 15 plus years ago. I think I think uh, the Sixth Sense was the first movie that like scared me out of my pants. Like I I, I didn't sleep for weeks after that. So um, yeah, that movie always stayed with me. Like we can say that. Um, I don't know if I call myself an M Night Shyamalan fan. Um, I do love some of his movies. I also hate some of his movies. So I think he's always like he's he's on two ends of the spectrum for me. Well, I was going to ask you. You chose this movie. Yeah, I assume you chose it because of the unwarranted hate that it gets. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree mean, with you there. I, I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. Yeah, like I, I just, I think, I think exactly. Like, there's just there, there are some issues with the movie, but overall, I, I, I thought he tells a really good story, and I think that deserves a lot more credit than it gets. And I, I think people hate on the story, particularly like we said, because they just had the wrong expectations coming into this movie not the wrong expectations they were led to have expectations that wouldn't you know wouldn't fit what they were going to see so um i i, I that's kind of why i picked it as so, well you know i i think that there's a lot of good stuff going on here I, one thing we didn't really discuss actually um there's some like really good comedy in this movie and it's hard to have comedy where like there's a bunch of like dull characters and like you know, they're just, they're not, they're not doing much. They're just kind of like this old timey life. So like, it's hard to kind of build in a lot of comedy, but like, he has like some really good moments in there. Like, um, there's one very, very much, I think toward, very towards the beginning, basically where Judy Greer, uh, Kitty is like, she's in love with Lucius at this point. And so she like walks in and she like confesses her love. You know, there's something funny about Judy Greer where she, she does this really good job of like, uh, making herself like unsympathetic 
like she's really done nothing wrong here but like i still like wasn't really rooting for her when she's like confessing her love to lucius like yeah it's like what are you doing why yeah (laughs) like what are you doing and she's like she's done she does that in like a lot of i I made me think of like her role in um arrested development is it where i i I can't remember does she is that character named kitty also uh she is yeah yeah (laughs) so she she plays another secretary right yeah and like again the the in that role like her character doesn't do anything like super hateable, but like you're always annoyed with her character. So like, and you like, you're always like, what the hell is she doing? So uh, anyway, she's really good at that. But in that scene, she's like, she's just like professing her love. She's being very direct. And then like, it just cuts to Lucius who is saying nothing. And then immediately cuts to Judy Greer, like bawling her eyes out. Uh, and she was like screaming at the top of her lungs. And like, it made me crack up. And you know, it's really sad, obviously, but like, I, I don't know like she made me crack up in that moment like that was just I thought that was like good comedy like worked into like this very drab background you know yeah, yeah no I mean there were moments like that I guess that's the one that's coming to mind because I'm not sure what else did you find funny or what other <laughs> moments were that funny um there were more but the, the other one that I can think of off the top of my head was when they're walking into the forest uh into into the Covington woods um and it's the three of them at this point right it's ivy and um finton and uh, christop who is now married to judy greer to kitty right yeah um, and he's the one that like they kind of they, they they make fun of him like kind of backhanded like in passing about how he's like really particular about having his shirt not have wrinkles or something so like if he sits down he like gets really uncomfortable because his shirt's getting wrinkled or if somebody tries to hug him like uh, it's like they're constantly making comments about that but the the moment that cracked me up was Ivy turns to him and he's kind of hesitating to walk into the woods and Ivy turns to him and she's like Kristoff don't worry we have the magic rocks we won't you know we'll be safe and he like looks her dead in the eyes he's like yeah why why haven't we heard of these rocks before (laughs) like and it's so true like he's the one kid who's like thinking like okay we've been living here for how long and nobody's ever mentioned magic rocks to get into the the woods safely like who like where did these come from like i that moment just like cracked me up because he's like the one character who just like who won't buy into what the elders are telling him um so i don't know the way he delivers that line it just like cracked me up that was good yeah i agree um yeah but uh overall yeah i think uh, I, I think our scores kind of represent uh what we thought of this movie right like it's it's very good in certain ways it's a little bit lacking in other ways but you know i, I think the the overall critical response to it was unwarranted a little bit right yeah and I mean, this is the whole point of like, you know, why we're creating our scoring system the way we are. It's because we're pretty close in each category of what we thought. Like we're only off like maybe we're off by 10 at most. And that is for themes and motifs. You give it a 90, I give 80. Writing, I give it 60, you gave it 70. Otherwise, we're within five. But your overall score gives it an 80 just because of what you prefer and what you like to watch in a movie. I give it a 72. So it's an okay movie in my standards. For you, it's definitely worth the watch. So, I mean, I get where you're coming from, too. I totally get your point of view why you like this movie. Uh, do you have anything else? Um, no, I think that was pretty much it. Uh, yeah, overall, I would say it's worth a watch. But, um, you know, especially if you like acting, if you like uh, if you like a good kind of twisty story, I thought this, this delivers on that. Yeah, something that you can talk about after, for sure. Like a movie that you want to discuss with a friend, for sure. Like on a podcast, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this production of The Twice Over. If you would like to keep up with us, please subscribe wherever you listen and check out our website, thetwiceover.com. And follow us at The Twice Over on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you would like to support us, you can do so on Patreon 
or you can just tell a friend about this podcast. And finally, if there are any comments or feedback, please email them to us at comments at thetwiceover.com. Or you can just tweet at us. The music you hear is from Amerigo Gazaway. Check him out on Bandcamp and Spotify. We'll be back next week with another episode.